Thank you for joining us today. My name's Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm actually the founder of Journey to Success and the creator of the Journey to Success book series. I'm also the world's most well-known Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor. You can find out more about the uh, radio show at journeytosuccessradio.com. We have an amazing guest today, the author of one of the Journeys to Success books in the Sales Professionals Edition, Rudy Kasuma. He's a million-dollar agent and broker owner of Remax Titanium out of California, the millionaire agent maker real estate company dedicated to teaching its agents how to make multiple six- and seven-figure income selling real estate. He's been named as the number one team leader in California by Remax, and his team has sold over $1 billion in real estate. He's been awarded multiple top producer awards, including the top five team leaders in Remax worldwide. That's out of 110,000 real estate agents. Remax Titanium has been recognized as in 2016 and 2017, and most recently 2018, and Inc. Magazine is one of the 5,000 fastest growing companies in America. He's the co-author of the international best-selling book, The Soul of Success, Volume 2 with Jack Canfield. Rudy's been featured on ABC, NBC, Fox News, across the country on his guest appearance at the Brian Tracy TV show where he discussed how to make a good living in real estate without ever prospecting again. Welcome to the show today, Rudy. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm so excited to be here. Well, uh, since uh, you're one of the authors of the Sales Professionals Edition, let's get right into it as far as sales. How old were you and how did you get actually into the profession of sales? Uh, I don't imagine when you grew up that your parents were saying, oh, my young Rudy's going to be a real estate salesperson. Yeah, no, I went, actually, I went to school. My major was mathematics. I was on the way to getting a job in NASA, and that's when I get a, somebody give me a book called The Rich Dad Poor Dad back in, uh, in 2000, in 1990, uh, into 1999. Um, that's when I graduated from my mathematics degree. On the way, I was teaching mathematics and uh, somebody gave me a Rich Dad book. I read the book in about two days. As soon as I finished reading the book, I was like, I gotta learn. The book talk about the number one skill in life, it's sales. If there's one thing you want to be successful in life in sales, and I was looking at myself, I was like, I don't know anything about sales. Nobody teach me about sales. My parents never talk about money. Never mind sales. We don't even talk about money. If anything, money was dirty. It was a taboo subject, right? And so when I read that book, I was like, wow, that truly is a, was a paradigm shift for me. And I quickly withdrawn, dropped out of, well, I come, dropped out of my graduate school. And I first thing I need to do, I got to learn how to sell. And I didn't know what to sell. There was nothing to sell. So first thing I did was I called the Rich Dad company and I bought two boxes of these Rich Dad books. So back then in 1999, you can call the Rich Dad company and anybody can just buy in wholesale price and then they just allow you to sell. So I, I have two boxes of the Rich Dad book and I was like, okay, who do I sell now? All my friends was uh, college kids and nobody is interested in it. So first thing I did was door knocking. I sold all the books to all my neighbors. I was just door knocking and obviously I failed. I couldn't sell not a single book. I tried to sell for three months, door knocking every single 
person in my neighborhood, nobody by that third fence. And so what I did on my fourth month, I kind of gave up. I was like, wow, this is not easy. Well, I didn't give up. It's just that nobody bought. So what I did, I give it as a gift. Uh, as you know, every, and that first year, all my friends who had birthday, whoever invited me to any kind of events, they received a copy of the Rich Dad book. I have 24 copies of the book. So the first 24th birthday celebration was just a Rich Dad book. I was so excited about that book. Um, then the next thing I did was I bought the, uh, the cash flow game, and I start uh, gathering my friends, um, looking for people uh, who's on the same mindset, trying to figure out how to learn how to sell. So that's how I get started in, in sales. <laughs> I don't imagine your parents were very excited uh, about your decision, and I imagine those first three months must have been challenging. I was thinking to myself, I did the same thing with the book Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. I just ordered like 50 at a time. And I would go to sales managers and I'd say, here, I'll give you the book for a week. And either you give me 50 bucks or you give me the book at the end of the week. I thought for sure everybody's going to be handing me over 50 bucks. I go back and almost everybody the book back. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you people like that? Most of them never even opened it. Very discouraging, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, uh, that was good. Actually, going back to my parents, they were really sad, actually. Because <laughs> I, I, I didn't born here. I was born in Indonesia. They sent me to school here. I was, a, I was an international student. Mm. So they believed in go to school, get a good grade. And plus, it was very, very expensive to go to school as an international student. So when they found out that I dropped out of school, then start my door-to-door sales. And the next thing I did was actually selling stuff in Swapmeet. I remember my, 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 my mom actually called and she was like crying, <laughs> like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> so that, right. that's how it got started. <laughs> wow. How did you get ever into the real estate business? Well, uh, so on my first, my first sales was the books, as you know, and then the next thing I did, I was like, I got to find something to sell. And then I went back to Indonesia when I was on vacation. And then the and then first thing I did, I was like buying some candles, some handcrafts. And then I would start selling in swap meet. But I was like, I focus on what can I do? Uh, I, I was positioning myself to put myself in a position to be able to sell, influence and persuading people. The stuff doesn't really matter back then. I was just trying to find excuses to put myself in that uncomfortableness because I never had to do that before. And then once I start doing um, in swap meet, the next thing I did was somebody I was doing a promotional product. It's kind of like this pen here, right? Promotional product is with the pen uh, right. with the name printed on it. And so as I was doing door-to-door door selling promotional products, which is a 50 cents pen, one of my customers, one of the biggest accounts that I really like to go to is a real estate company because I realized when I go to a real estate company, I just have to convince one gatekeeper, which is the either the sales manager or the owner, the broker at the time, and usually, typically, they allow me to speak in front of their agent. And usually, if I can go to one office, I'm able to speak in front of 20, 30 uh, customers all at the same time because then I realize each agent are independent uh, business owners, so I can, if I can convince one person, then I can leverage my time to, instead of talking one-on-one, I can speak in front of a group of 20, 30 people with the same 15, 20 minutes. Because I'm, remember, I'm selling 50 cents fans. So I got a surprise. I got a, I got a thing on, I, I got a thing on how to make money so I can eat at a time, right? Because I told my, my parents back then that, hey, it's okay. I, I think I can figure it out. And then I realized, obviously, it was not that easy. 
And then, um, so I, so that's how I got into real estate is because I keep on going to all these real estate offices, uh, following up, selling a 50 cents pen. And I remember one of the real estate broker looked at me like, oh my gosh, you are so persistent and consistent following up, follow, because I follow up with them, uh, allowing me to sell my 50 cents pen. So, so the broker told me that, uh, the manager told me that if you are so, if you can be so diligent following up for two years, just trying to get an opportunity to sell a 50 cents pen, I think you, you'll be doing, I think you'll do good in real estate. So, but I, I say no, I'm so focused on, you know, I was focused in what I did, selling my promotional products. It took me two years uh, before finally I say, okay, let me, let, let, let's try this. Because I remember uh, as I was trying to leverage my promotional product venture, I couldn't do it because every time I hire salespeople trying to duplicate what I did, most people usually quit within the first two days because nobody wants to do the door knocking, you know, because everybody was right. just looking at the money, like the money so little. Yeah, so, so most people quit, and, I, and then I was thinking to myself, I gotta figure out on how to leverage this. Obviously, if I cannot find myself, if I cannot find somebody else to do what I did back then, selling uh, promotional item, and I remember my client's list was basically a yellow page. Uh, for me, I was able to do it for four years, but as I tried to duplicate my efforts, most people quit. I remember typically we hire a sales people in the morning at eight o'clock, usually lunchtime, they call me and say, don't worry, don't even pay me. <laughs> uh, so they just quit uh, on the spot. So I remember my, the broker guy, one of my clients, he keep on, every time I see, I, every time I saw him, he always told me to get my license. So it took me two years, then two years later, that's when I, you know what, maybe there's something to this real estate. Uh, took my license um, after two, two years, and that's how, that's how I kind of get into this uh, sales. Ima, did it cost a lot of money to get your license at the time? Did you have to save a lot, study for a while? Uh, was it hard to get into? I, I didn't really remember, uh, as far as the, the investment to get real estate, I didn't really remember because somehow in my mind, I always, I always look at, I, never, some, I guess it's a blessing in this because I never always look at size. I always looking at, looking at it like an investment. So for right. me, I always look at that, okay, if I invest, I don't know, whatever was $300. Obviously, it was a lot of money because I still remember uh, every time uh, we, we just have to save money just for lunch, right? But I remember three four $400 or whatever it cost at the time. But I, I, I truly saw the potential of... Uh, of I saw real estate as a business that we can duplicate it. It's, it's not like as soon as I figure out, as soon as there is a system. Because when I saw back then, I saw there's a gap in real estate, meaning each agent keep on doing the same thing over, uh, because they have to do the prospecting, co-calling, and they're nothing. I feel like they, they get stuck in this right ways. So if I can figure out a way to systemize this real estate sales model, I can feel that this could be big. Right. So as far as the cost to get started, I don't remember. I know I'm sure it was really big, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't focus on that. <laughs> I, don't right. rem I don't remember that. And, and how long from right. when you started yeah. until you got that first commission? Because not only you have to start, you have to list the house, you got to sell it, you got to wait till it closes and then you get your money. So oh, was yes. a long wait between? Yes, that was, I remember, that was 2007. And the reason I remember is because 2007, the real estate office, which was my customers back then, they have 200 agents. The moment I get in, towards October 2007, from 200 agents, they basically become five. If you remember 2007, 2008, that's when the 
collapse. Oh. Right? That's when the when that's when the short sale and stuff. So my first deal, my first deal was short sale. And the reason I got short sale is because no one, I remember back in 2007, no one, there is no real estate agents and brokers or banks wants to touch short sale. Short sale and foreclosure was, they, they felt like it was a waste of time. So as a new, as a new guy, obviously I was doing stuff that nobody wants to do because I was just, the reason I get, the reason I got in it, I was, I was trying to gain experience. So I realized that nobody wants to do the short sale thing, so okay, I'll do it. I remember I was doing open house every single day, literally seven days a week, right? And the reason I was doing it, I'm putting myself in a position to be able to interact with the customers. And plus, there was my only customers, there was my only one transaction anyway, so I would just focus on it every single day. I was doing the open house, I was calling the bank trying to figure out how to do short sale. The good news back in 2007, because there was no short sale, the bank also figured out how to do short sale. There was no short sale department in 2007. And so we both, it's, I, I, I kind of got lucky in a sense, right? Because as I called the bank, they, they too was new. So it took, you know, we both kind of trying to figure out how to do it. 2008, uh, that's when most Real estate agent just gave me the short sale for free. Basically, they don't they give it to me because they felt like it was a waste of time from wow. their perspective. Because you have to remember, 2000, 2003, 4, 5, it was easy money. Everybody in real estate making money. So when they actually have to work, for yeah. money, they felt like it's too much work. So they just gave it to me. So that's how I get started. Uh, that's when um, I, I became known as the short sale specialist. Not because I get so knowledgeable about real, uh, short sale. It was because no one want to do it. They just oh. give it to me for free. They don't even ask for referral fees, nothing. It was like a free money. So 2007, 2008, 2009, that's when I first wrote a book about how to negotiate short sales. And that's when all real estate agents start trying to figure out short sale in 2010. <laughs> but that's another, but, right, Tom, think about it. That's another uh, principle of success. Do what other people <laughs> What successful people right. do what others don't want to do. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, you were willing to do that, and they were giving them to you. And three years later, when they were interested, you'd already spent three years learning the business. Wow, nice. And then, uh, did yeah. you were you always with Remax, or did you start with some other company? Because uh, you uh, parent, you, you're. You seem to love Remax. I saw you with Dave Lineger at the conference last week. Yeah. You're, you're a big fan of Remax. No, uh, the first, uh, when I was selling promotional products, the one I told you just now, that was an ERA. And that company, I think that company shut down in 2008. When the market dropped, that company was losing um, from 200 people to five. And I was I was the only one. And then a year later, the, company, the whole company shut down because of the, the economic crisis. And no one, everybody, the whole marketplace shift. There was no... People are losing equity and no real estate agents want to learn how to do short sale. So obviously the whole operation couldn't survive because I was the only one who was doing short sale. So the company shut down. I had to move from ERA to Coldwell Banker in 2008-2009. Then that's when we started the cash flow game. Um, well, actually the cash flow game started 2007. But then um, when I moved to Cooler Banker, the, the, the people start continue to come. As once a week, every Saturday, we play the cash flow game. People come. And then as our team continues to grow, because uh, people actually come because they want to play the cash flow game. And at the end of the cash flow game, then I always ask questions like, do you want to do this in real life? 
meaning buying properties. Right. And usually for every 10 people, three out of 10 always say, yes, I want to do it for real life. So we book the appointments the next day to start showing homes, getting them approved. So I couldn't do it myself because it was too many. Because remember, I was doing it every week, every Saturday and Sunday, playing the cash flow game. So we started building a team. The team started to grow. And then that's when I figured out I need to learn how to learn how to do teams. So that's when back then, Cobalt Banker, there was no one in Cobalt Banker to talk about teams. So I, I had to learn. That's when I started interviewing with Keller Williams, KW, because they seem to talk about team a lot. And as I was interviewing with KW, that I then at the same time with Remax as well. And part of the reason why we decided to go with Remax instead of KW, I felt like it was flexible, meaning they allow us, they allow our team to do basically whatever as long as it's legal, right? right. So as long as so they allow us to be, they promote innovation, right? They allow, they, they, they don't have too many boundaries. They don't have too many regulations as far as don't do this, don't do that, you know, stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of how it gets started. Nice, nice. Well, uh, I was blessed to meet Dave Lineger and share the stage with him and uh, hear his story. And uh, he's read like Think and Grow Rich 35 times. What an original way to get leads, that cash flow game. Uh, it, it, I'm familiar with it because of Sharon Lecter. Sharon Lecter is well connected with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. She was the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and that cash flow game. But what an original idea yeah. to get leads. You probably didn't think it would be as successful that three out of 10 people would say, hey, I'd like to do that in real life as well. And so now you've got a bunch of buyers lined up from playing a game on a Saturday morning. Yeah, actually, before the cash flow game, the cash flow game idea, I, there was just a pure accident because I remember when we first got my license, the broker guy, the manager, asked me to co-call. And I clearly remember co-call essentially is just a yellow page, right? I'm calling yellow page. Well, I didn't really call the yellow page. The manager said there's a lead. But if you call 100 people and you're able to talk one out of 100, I told the broker guy that, that you, might as well call the, you might as well call the yellow page. Um, <laughs> if one out of 100 people answer the phone, and the one who answered the phone, usually they get mad at you, they curse at you, right? Because they have things to do in their life. They were eating, they were having stuff to do, and we keep on co-calling them. And so I told the broker guy, the manager guy, well, maybe I'm not good at it. Maybe it was my accent or something, right? So I have myself, my self-confidence was really bad. Imagine if every day you're calling 100 people, yeah. thousands of people, and 99 out of 100 don't answer the phone, and the one who answered the phone curse at you. <laughs> that, that only lasts me for, I don't know, maybe two a month or two before my, you know, my psychology got messed up. Maybe right. like, what's wrong with me? And so I went back to the manager guy and the, mo the manager and the broker told me, hey, maybe, 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 don't, uh, maybe co calling is not for you. Let's try the door knocking. So what is it? So essentially they asked me to door knock. So I door knocked the door. I remember every single house in the area. The, and the, the, bad, the, the, the only difference between door knocking and co calling is that when we do door knocking now, they at you in person. <laughs> so it's actually worse. <laughs> right? So I told the broker guy that there is not much difference between co calling and door knocking. It's actually worse because now they curse at you in person. I remember, I don't know what year was that, but they actually, one of the houses that I don't know of, they had a bulldog and they actually let the dog out. And that was the last day I was doing the 
door knocking because I literally went for my life, right? So, so that's when I got, I sat down, I say, there's gotta be a better way, right? We, we, we like, there's gotta be a better way. So that's when we play the cash flow game. Accidentally, when we play the cash flow game, people come. So it's, so remember, all these are going on at the same time, but when we play the cash flow game, usually people play the game and I just say, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. And then all I did after I, I have the dog chase me and all this kind of stuff, the only thing we did back then, we asked one question, which is, hey, would you be interested to apply this in your life? So in sales, basically what I did, sometimes there's a lot of salespeople, they keep on selling, but they forgot to close the deal, right? So I, I was selling how good this thing, how good this thing, like I keep on preaching, uh, but then the didn't close the deal. So the only thing, the only slight difference we did back then was just asking people, would you be interested to apply this in real life? And three out of 10 say yes, and then we, we make the next offer, which is when would you be available so we can get together for about 30, 45 minutes, so that way we can structure this in real life. Would you be available on Monday or Tuesday be a better time for you? Once we learn that slight changes, and uh, we learn, the, my first teacher, sales teacher was Rick Seeger. Rick passed away, I think it was maybe five, six years ago. I remember in the Rick Seeger talk about closing the sale, right, with an alternate choice. So I remember asking them, would you be available on Monday or Tuesday? Be a better time. Monday. That's it. So we just met with the guy. So we play cash flow game on Sunday. And on Monday, basically, we just shopping for homes. Wow. It was a simple strategy. Wow. And that's, and that's actually when how we stopped I doing the phone calling and door knocking. <laughs> I went to a Raymond Aaron free real estate three hour presentation. You know, what you could do. And at the end, they asked, you know, would you like to do this yourself? And I bought the course and bought investment real estate. And so, such a simple thing, just asking that question at the end how would you like to do this in real life? Way better than door knocking and building. Yeah. <laughs> And that later on, we learned that's WIFM, right? What's in it for me? Right. Because most salespeople, if you keep on, when we don't knock and call call, what we are doing, we are, we are so selfish. Like, I'm, we are bothering people. They are eating, they are having lunch, they are having dinner, they have their own things to do. And we interrupt them and say, hey, look at me. I'm the number one salespeople, whatever. And you're trying to sell what So that's what, that was, that, that's really, really difficult. But then when we, change, we call it a reverse prospecting. Instead of prospecting, we are doing reverse prospecting where we offer something of value to the consumers. The consumers, people are lining up to do business with you. Right. Reverse prospecting. Wow. I hadn't uh, heard of that before, but you're right. They're coming to you. You're offering a valuable service. And then just a simple question at the end, if they'd like to participate and do it themselves. Can, are you doing that now? Or let's say if you're a real estate agent now, or a real estate agent comes to your office, he wants to be one of your agents. What is the, what is the way now, the best way for agents to generate leads? Like you only know so many people and must be very challenging to generate listings and sales now. Yeah, so the cash flow club that we started in 2007 till today, we are still playing the cash flow game, but not every week. Now we are playing once a month, every first Tuesday evening. Uh, we are still doing that. Uh, if you go on meetup.com, I think we, about, we have about 1,500 members in that cash flow game, which is still ongoing today for the past wow. 10 years. But that's just one of the pillars now, right? So going back to your question, as far as the lead generation, now when people join our team, this is basically uh, 
my un- uh, our unique selling proposition. When you when you are a real estate agent, when you do when you spend 70, 80% of your time prospecting, cold calling, essentially what you are doing, you are doing lead generation. What happens is that you are you are sacrificing the time that you should be doing to serve the client, or worse. You are, sac- you are sacrificing the time away from your family. Another thing that I didn't mention to you, Tom, just now, was as I was doing my prospecting, cold calling, door knocking, selling stuff in Swapnit back in 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, I got married when I was 21 years old, right? And because I had to be away doing the Swapnit things, doing the prospecting, the cold calling, looking for business, remember, 21 years old, and uh, so... That was hard on the relationship. So basically, I got divorced really, really young. And so now, one of our mission here in life, in the in our organization, in our company, is that, hey, it doesn't have to be that way, right? So we are on a mission to elevate your family lifestyle, meaning we are offering real estate agents or any professional that, hey, you don't have to. I, I feel like I become the mentor that I was looking for back then. Right, so when people join our team, you don't need to do any like zero, zero prospecting, cold calling, door knocking, because I'm going to provide you with appointments. Right, people are going to be in front of you, so you should be spending 100% of your time either servicing the client or just be at home with your family. Life shouldn't be about like at the end of the day when you and I die. Right? Can you imagine? Uh, I don't want to be well. I don't want to be known as the guy who prospect a thousand dollars. But I want to be known. <laughs> yeah, my my legacy should be how many people we help. So the way we do it is this. So this is where the team system comes in place. So right now we departmentalize our team, meaning we have one department who focus only on lead generation. We call it the marketing department. So we are on radio, we are on two Spanish radio, we are on two Chinese radio, we are on English radio, we are also on billboards uh, all across town. Uh, we also leverage technology online, like for example on Zillow, Google Pay-Per-Click, Yelp, you know. So, so our marketing department job, responsibility of the marketing department is to lead generate. So every month we have about... 2,000 prospective buyers and sellers who raise their hand saying that, hey, so these buyers and sellers, they contact us. They call us first saying they're thinking of buying and selling. So that's the first that's the first step in the team. The second layer in the team is our inside sales team. Our inside sales team job is to call the leads. The leads that call us first, we call them back. We are returning their phone call and we ask them, are you planning to make a move in the next three to six months? Because sometimes people call us and they are ready to sell or buy homes maybe two, three years down the road, which is okay. So then our inside sales team will follow up with them. Only the people, only the prospects that's ready to make a move in the next three to six months, then our inside sales team will book an appointment to what we call our outside sales team. So our outside sales team is going to show up on a face-to-face appointment, and we have our Basically, we have our folders. It's kind of like, basically, we put our buyer's presentation and our listing presentation in a folder. Kind of like, if you're familiar with the, how the MLM works, right? We systemize, right, we systemize right, our presentation. Right. So that way, every, you can talk to either myself or anybody in the team. We have uh, 60 partners now in the team, right? How can you get 60 adults to say the same thing? Well, we have to systemize. It's kind of like when you go to McDonald's. Right. You can go to McDonald's in Los Angeles, 
Arizona and you order hamburgers, the burgers should taste the same. The same thing here. You talk to me or you talk to any one of the 60 partners that we have in our team, if you are thinking of buying or selling a home, you will get the same consistent message because we are all following the same, which we systemize our buyers and sellers uh, presentation. Wow. Um, so, so that's the third thing is our outside sales team. So now think about it. Our outside sales team now, when if you are the consumer, you are thinking of buying or selling a home, now you get somebody who only focus 100% of their time servicing you. Because the agent in our team, because they don't need to do any prospecting, cold calling and door knocking, they spend their time either servicing you or they're on training, improving their skill. When we talk about skill, I'm talking about negotiating, negotiation skills. I'm not talking, you know, how to negotiate the contract so you, the consumers, get a best deal. Versus the traditional real estate agents farm, they spend 70, 80% of their time either prospecting or if they go to training, the training is about prospecting, right? So the consumers is actually being treated because now imagine if you go to a brain surgeon and the brain surgeon spends 70, 80% of their time either looking for patients or going to training about how to get more patients. And that's the flaw in the traditional related model. That's the reason why uh, according to the National Association of Realtors, they say that 70% of consumers will not go back to the same real estate agents again. And it's not because the real estate agents are lazy or they're no good, it's just because it's time management. You know, imagine if you go to a brain surgeon and how good the quality of the brain surgeon if they, uh, if they spend 70, 80% of the time looking for patients. It's the same thing in real estate. And to make it worse, Tom, going back to the story about family, right? If you spend your time away from your house every day, I remember back when I was 21 years old, every day I'm busy. It's not like I'm lazy. I work literally 20 hours a day, seven days a week uh, looking for customers. But then when you go home, I remember, right? My wife and then always ask, so where is the money? How are we going to pay the bills? Then obviously there is no money because you don't get paid by co-calling thousands of people. Right? So this way, once we structure the team this way, not only the consumers, the home buyers and the home sellers get high quality people, high quality agents servicing them, you may look at it from the agent's perspective. Now, the agents not only able to deliver high-quality service to the clients, now they, have, they improve their family lifestyle because now they are able to basically make more money in less time with no hassle. Holy right? cow. When an agent is sitting in your office and you're recruiting them, their jaw must hit the floor because this is not the old way of thinking of being a real estate agent where you might get five or six sales a year, you got to talk to all your friends, you got to join every committee, every group in the city. Like, wow, this is, a, this is amazing. You must have like 100% retention and you must have people knocking on your door trying to, uh, to join your team. Yes, in fact, 75, for, uh, according to the NAR, National Association of Realtors, only less than 3% of all real estate agents, out of 2 million real estate agents, only less than 3% actually gross commission uh, has uh, at least 100,000 gross commission income. And that gross commission income, Tom, think about it. If a real estate agent has a 100,000 gross commission income, after all the expenses, their net, net, net at the bottom line is right around $20,000, $30,000, basically. And this is all across the country. In our team, 75% of 
the of the agents who join our team for at least 12 months and following our system, at least 75% of them net over 100,000 or more. But, and that's a net income. The reason it's a net income because there is no expenses because we book the appointment. So when you bring home 100, 200, 300,000, that's actually net income. That's the amount of money right. that's in your checking account that is no other expenses. And it's not about the money, right? It's about with the money that allows you to buy time to be with, with your family. And if the agent don't have financial stress, now what happens is that now you're able to service the clients better. Right. But the key, what you are saying is that, yes, so there'll be, as far as retention, yes. But the funny thing is that not everybody are following the system. Wow, you think with a system that's foolproof and easy and easy on your family life and easy on your finances, you think someone would follow it step by step by step. Why would they not follow it? That's 75%, right? So we are working on, that's why we want to, we are, we are leveraging your books and stuff like that. We want to, most of this is the mindset, right? Like right. Uh, Napoleon said, whatever you believe and conceive, you can happen. So what, what happens is that if, I think if people don't believe that you can actually right. Do, Right. That's why we are a big fan in our team. In our team here, actually, every Saturday, we have this mastermind call. Actually, this uh, we, we are on a series again. We like to sing and grow rich at least once a year. We, we, we have heard that. So this morning, we talk about, I think the quote here from Napoleon Hill is, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, the mind can achieve. Meaning, the how-to, it's simple. Right. Especially now that we break it down. This is almost ridiculous, right? But right. then, if the why is not big enough, or if, if if you have some psychology, you know, if you have the, if, if the you can't if, believe it. Paradigm shift. Your brain can't yeah. believe it. You're yeah. never gonna do it. Right, right. Or your money temperature, right? So if you get used to struggling, right? Some people actually be comfortable with the struggle, you know. And and so one of our uh, one of the benefits here in our team, we actually have a life coach that every Saturday, what we do as a team together, we are reading a book together, which uh, books like Sing and Grow Rich, The Richest Man in Babylon, Ooh, you know, those book. kind of books. I love that Richest Man in Babylon. Great book. Yes, yes, it, it, it's powerful. Basically, the purpose of the Saturday Mastermind Call is to work on your mind. Right. Because the how-to, we do the how-to on the training every day from Monday to Friday. We have one, one hour a day training every day. And then at once a week on Saturday, we work on, we work on the most important asset in your life, which is yourself, right? It's funny. People actually investing in a lot of stuff now, right? Uh, Tom, we have people investing in bitcoins, people investing yeah. in gold, silver, in stock market, but people will not invest in themselves. Right. If, people, right. if you just invest in yourself, which is the highest ROI, your entire life will change. I think Warren Buffett is the one who said that. But the highest ROI is investing in yourself. Right. Instead of right. in widgets. And yet most people don't read books. They're not investing in themselves. Uh, it's, it's very, very sad. Your system solves the, a major problem I've always seen in real estate is time management. I remember when I, remember I got started real estate investing, I had one agent. I could call him seven days a week, like I think 24 hours a day, he would be answering his phone. And I used to think like, what kind of a yeah. profession is this where the guy's on call like seven days a week? Of course, I, you know, I'm a fool calling him seven days a week, but I'm thinking like, oh my God, what kind of, maybe he makes good money, but what kind of life must he have if he's answering the phone at 8 a.m., 9 p.m., Saturday, Sunday? 
And so your system allows yeah. people, A, to spend their time making money in front of customers, but also so they're not thinking, oh man, I'm gonna miss Johnny's baseball game, or they don't have to worry about those family things because you've solved that time management. Yes, yes. in fact, one of our mission here is to, our, from, from our perspective, from the company perspective, our customer is to the, the, the real estate agents, and we are, we, our mission is to elevate the real estate agents lifestyle. We are here to change the real estate industry because I think the, the way the real estate, the traditional, we call it the old school model, it's obsolete because today is 2018 with the way technology and machines, the way it evolves, if the real estate industry doesn't change, then it's going to be left behind. It's kind of like Uber and taxi or you, you see what happened with travel agents. Right? If, if, if we don't change, right. if, uh, then it's not gonna, then it's just a matter of time uh, before it's gonna become, because as you know, you are an active real estate investor. Most consumers, with as technology becoming more and more advanced, people can go online and see, have access to homes. They don't need real estate agents right. to, to, to email them homes, right? So the problem with real estate agents today, real estate agents are sending clients homes homes that the clients themselves already seen online. Right. See, there is no value in that, in that relationship. If price, if price is only a factor in the absence of value, and all what all real estate agents do is giving access to clients' homes, homes that the clients already seen themselves, then what value are you as a real estate agent bringing to that transaction? No wonder why, uh, as technology becoming more advanced, I don't believe real estate agents going to be eliminated, but their income is going to, there will be a continuous downward pressure in real estate agents' income. And the reason, because the customers, like you, you don't, uh, basically, you're using real estate agents just to write an offer. Hey, right. if my first name is Tom, my last name is Cunningham, write right. me an offer, 300000 That's right. it. Right, there is no value in that transaction. You become, not you, meaning the real estate agents become an order taker. So what we are teaching here, what we are teaching real estate, uh, what in, in our team every day, we focus, okay, so when you compete with machine as an industry, how do you compete with machine? Then you gotta be different. How are you different? You gotta be able to, we are talking about caring. Uh, we are talking about care, compassion, com uh, being compassionate. We are talking about negotiation skills. For example, give you perspective, Tom, in our team today, uh, because the agent in our team, because they don't have to do prospecting, co-calling, they have time to, do, to, to improve their negotiation skills. For example, uh, if you're looking to buy a home in Los Angeles, our team are able to, to give you access to homes that match your criteria, including homes that you cannot see on the internet. For example, for sale by owners, homes that the owner previously tried to sell. Do you realize most real estate agents, the reason they don't show you for sale by owners, bank foreclosures, short sales, homes that the owner previously tried to sell, the reason they don't show it to you, not because they, they are lazy or they intentionally try to hide stuff from you, okay. is because the way real estate agents get paid is from the MLS. So right. therefore, if the property is not listed on the MLS, then they just have no clue. They don't know what to do, so therefore they don't show it to you. 
the reason the agent only show you homes that you yourself able to see online because once the property is putting on the on the system on the MLS, right. that is uh, because technology is so advanced now it gets syndicated directly to the end user website. That's why when you go to Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever website you see, you can see everything. So what we are teaching people in our team, the, my partners here, my selling partners here, is that we are teaching them in addition to homes that the clients, the consumer are able to see online, how can we open up to a different pool of properties that the consumers are not able to do? That means this has to go outside the normal system, outside the MLS. If, you're, if, if, you, if you are as a real estate agent, you only get paid from the MLS, then you are not able to, 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 to show all this. So now it's really simple. So now we just have to figure out how to be able to set, negotiate, and collect our own fees. Once we know how to do that, it's easy. Now we are able to show our clients all homes that match our client's criteria, including bank foreclosures, short sales, corporate-owned properties, for sale by owners, and stuff like that, because we are not entitled See, this goes back to the entitlement mentality. Most agents feel their fees, they feel this entitlement mentality, they feel like they're entitled to certain commission, whatever offer on the MLS. The problem with that entitlement mentality is what if the property is not on the MLS? Just like taxi and Uber, right? The taxi driver feel entitled if I drive you from point A to point B. They no, you, you are not entitled to anything, right? Because the customer, we are here to serve the customers. Uh, money, money is just a certificate of appreciation for a job well done. Right. I have to earn, I have to earn it. I, I, me, we, we as the real estate agents or as a taxi, we are, we are not entitled to anything. You as the consumer is the one who decides how much value we are bringing on this transaction and, and you appreciate it by money. Right. And I love what you said about order taker because the last time my wife and I sold a condo, it sold in one day. It was listed on MLS, two offers the next day, sold. Sold within 24 hours of being on MLS. And I think it was like an $18,000 commission. My wife and I were like, man, like $18,000 basically for putting it on MLS and 24 hours of work and, you know, Man, it was kind of frustrating. We felt like that. We felt like that woman was an order taker. Now, it would have happened to anybody who took the order, but it was like, holy cow! All I had to do was go on MLS for one day, and we sold it. We paid all that money. So, we do want to avoid yes. being considered an order taker because now, as you said, now, now we're like we're not dealing with her again, and none of that was her fault. Like. She sold the property. She did a good job, but now we're like, oh. yeah. So for 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 somebody who's thinking of selling their home, for example, we have a database of over thirty thousand buyers who's looking to buy homes in the area. So my job, if you're thinking of selling your home, my job is how can I net you our clients, our home seller clients net at least fifteen thousand dollars more money when they sell their home. Wow. How can I net you an extra fifteen thousand dollars? Think about it. It's not that complicated. There's only one house, right? So if I have a database of over 30,000 buyers who's looking to buy cash, the pre-approval, the money is ready to go, what happened with the price of that one house? There's going to be multiple offers, and naturally the price of the house is going to continue to increase. First, if we simply put it on the MLS, then the buyers come in on the 
there'll be a one by one. The buyer's going right. to trickling in one at a time. Then on a negotiation, it's not, we need to leverage, uh, we need to put you in a position that you're able to position. Yes, right. we call it the auction effect. The what? Auction effect. So that our job is to create an auction effect when you're selling your home. So that way the buyer, there's a bidding frenzy to your home. So those are all, because our team structure, because our team system are so structured, we are able to accumulate this database of over 30,000 buyers who's looking to buy homes in the area. Wow. Wow, you're making so me price, think of moving from Toronto to California. Yes. I should be selling real estate in California <laughs> with your team. Well, thank you for joining me today, uh, Rudy. What's the best way for people to get hold of you? I should have been giving them your, your website throughout the interview here. Yes, our phone numbers here. The best way is call us at 626-789-0159. I'm offering a free backstage tour of our real estate sales team so you can see in real life how the team system actually operates because today everybody claims to be a team. So for a free backstage tour of our real estate sales team, call 626-789-0159. And that's Southern California, all of California. What, 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 what area are you looking at for agents? We are in LA, uh, we are in LA and Orange County. Okay. Uh, we, are, we are in greater Los Angeles area. Yeah. All right. Actually, I know a few agents in that area, so maybe I have to introduce you to them. Thank you yep, for joining you. me today, Rudy. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, what an amazing uh, career you've had in real estate and you've really, uh, really got some amazing lead generation systems and good ideas there. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, Rudy. Have an amazing day. Yes, thank you so much, Tom. I'm very supportive of what you do, putting together books. This is the most important thing. You're working on the mind. <laughs> right, exactly. Have an amazing day.